What's up, y'all? Welcome to the first episode of Critical Mass Podcast, the podcast brought to you by the Center for Social Impact at UVU. I'm Hannah, and I'm going to be hosting the pod for y'all this year. Now, in physics, the term critical mass refers to the minimum amount of material needed to spark a chemical reaction. In social impact language, we use the term critical mass to talk about the minimum number of people we need in order to create social change or even like the initial protest or event that sparks a social movement. Now, this year, the pod is going to be spotlighting student activists, organizers, and advocates. And in this episode, we're spotlighting Latina organizers and activists from right here on campus in honor of Latina Heritage Month. Now, some of y'all might have heard it called Hispanic Heritage Month. So we're going to start off providing a bit of context as to why we're not going to be using that term here on the pod. There's a lot of terms used to describe people of Latin American descent, like Latino, Latina, Latinx, Hispanic, Chicano, Chicana, and each one describes something specific about a person and their identity. The terms Chicano and Chicana refer to Mexican-Americans, Boricua refers to people from Puerto Rico, and every country basically got its own term that they use for the people who come from it, right? So the term Hispanic generally refers to folks who speak Spanish or are descended from Spanish speakers, so it includes Spain, but it excludes all of the non-Spanish-speaking countries in Latin America, like Brazil or Haiti. Latine just refers to anyone from countries in Latin America, whether it's Spanish-speaking or not. Plus, a lot of people dislike the term Hispanic because of the way it tends to emphasize Spanish-European ancestry rather than indigenous or Afro-ancestry. On the pod, we've chosen to use the term Latine, not with a gendered ending Latina or Latino, because it's friendly towards any non-binary or gender non-conforming people who have Latin American heritage, and because it includes the predominantly black and brown countries in Latin America, like Brazil and Haiti, who are also dope and deserve to be celebrated this month. Now, there's a long history of student activity in Latina rights movements, and there's a lot of really notable and really dope examples, but I just want to highlight three big ones real quick. There's a Brown Berets, which is a group of Chicano student activists that formed to protect Latina communities in East L.A. from police violence. But they ended up organizing dope protests, sit-ins, and rallies for all kinds of issues like voting rights, gentrification, etc. The Berets organized a series of walkouts in East L.A. schools in the late 60s that an estimated 1,500 Latina students participated in, protesting discrimination that was happening in school, right? So they presented a list of demands to the L.A. Board of Education, asking for things like Spanish-speaking admin, bilingual education, and more representation of Latinas and Latina history in the curriculum. It was one of the biggest, dopest student protests in U.S. history, and the Brown Boys are still active, and they even have a chapter here in Utah up at Rose Park. Another dope group called the Third World Liberation Front was a coalitional group with students from the Black Student Union, the Latin American Students Organization, the Asian American Pacific Alliance, and other minority groups and clubs at San Francisco State University. They started a five-month-long strike protest at the school, asking for an ethnic studies program that would actually give those students adequate representation in the school's curriculum. And the Young Lords was another group, similar to the Brown Berets, that was heavily inspired by the Black Panthers. The Young Lords was a group of mostly Puerto Ricanos based in Chicago in the 60s. They organized to advocate for equitable access to adequate health care, education, housing, etc. for the poor Puerto Ricanos and other Latinas living in the barrios just outside the city. Even Utah has a rich history of Latina student organizing. Up at the University of Utah, a group of Latina students organized an on-campus journal called Venceremos in 1993 meant to foster community and create a space for bilingual Latina scholarship. Here on campus, that organizing continues in the form of our various Latina and or multicultural groups, clubs, and organizations, such as Raices, the Undocu Group, the Latino Initiative, Multicultural Student Council, etc. These aren't all exclusively Latina groups, but they all provide avenues for Latina students at our university to organize and build community with one another. 
Now, this episode, we brought on four Latina student organizers involved with a few of these on-campus groups to talk a bit more about their experience as Latina students here at UVU and as organizers in the community. But before we get to their interviews, let me tell you all a bit more about the organizations they're a part of. Raices is the Latina OX student affinity group we got here on campus that works on creating spaces for Latina students that allow them to create community here at UVU. They've been working since 2019, and they put together cultural and educational events, build relationships, and share resources with the community and one another. The Undocu Group is a support group here at UVU for students who are undocumented and their allies. They started organizing in 2021, and they work to dispel the stigma around being undocumented, educate students on what it means to be undocumented, and on what resources exist for undocumented folks, and to create safe space and supportive community for undocumented students here on campus. The Multicultural Student Council is a group that works to advocate for the success of underrepresented students by creating a sense of belonging for marginalized students, increasing awareness around cultural diversity and social inequality, and promoting educational equality on campus. My name is Yvette Pimentel. I am a senior at UVU. (laughs) I use she, her pronouns. I'm the, the president of the Raices Club, and I'm... I'm a peer mentor at the First Generation Student Success Center, um, and I'm a residential community leader. Dope, Yvette. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Um, okay, so I think one of like the first things that I want to talk about when it comes to why we chose you to be on the podcast um, is if you could just talk a little bit more about like your experience as an organizer on campus, specifically being Latina. When I was not like in these leadership roles, I sometimes didn't feel included um, because there wasn't people that were the same as me or it wasn't like very welcoming. So I would go and then I just wouldn't feel welcome. (laughs) So I would leave. Um, So when I plan events, I try to make it so that anyone that comes is like feels welcome and is greeted and they want to stay and like talk to people and that's what I try to focus on when I'm planning events for any organization that I'm on. Mm. Yeah. So you mentioned like not feeling welcome before you were in a leadership position. Do you think that that was why you became involved? Yes. That was, was... So that you could make people like you feel welcome? Yes. When I first started um, applying to things and in like the description that they were like asking, why do you want to be part of this group or why do you want to be part of this organization? I would always say... Oh, well, I want to make sure that people feel included and people feel welcome because, you know, (laughs) I just didn't feel welcome. I think that a lot of the work that you do seems to be involving like predominantly Latinx demographics and people and students. Was that on purpose for you at all? Yes. And it's also for me, it's easier to um, like talk to people that are like first year students or like first generation students or like latinx students where they're like oh i i just don't like coming uh i'm like no well you can come because i'll be there and you can like hang out with me and then i'll introduce you to my like to other people that i know and um for me it was easier to gain that confidence because i i can be like oh i'm gonna be there i'm gonna be leading this like just come and i will make sure that you feel welcome yeah do you have any like advice for other students that are interested in in doing the same thing or maybe who don't feel welcome in certain spaces and want to feel welcome like students that are interested in community organizing and like advocacy work Mm -hmm. I think the first step would be just to get out there even if it feels uncomfortable at first and even if you go for five minutes and then you dip 
just taking those first steps will get you more confident each time that you do it. And then once people, especially in like leadership roles, once they start seeing you more often, they'll talk to you more and then they'll be like, especially when applications open up, they'll be like, oh, well, I've seen you here a lot of times. Um, we have applications opening opening up. You should you should apply. Yeah. And then don't be afraid to apply. Maybe last question. What do you think keeps you going in the work? Honestly, the students. Seeing like students come back and be like, oh, I saw you guys did this last year and I really liked it. And just seeing students come back and like give their ideas and give their input that's what keeps me going and seeing especially seeing like students grow like for example like um my sister okay (laughs) she's my sister but uh I'm gonna use her as an example because um okay so she is a first generation student I told her to like um to like apply to these things and she would be like oh I don't want to like I'm Mm -hmm. kind of scared and then when she applies to these things and then she gets into these things, yeah. I see her grow and I see her like um, use her creativity and feel like satisfaction when she accomplishes something. And that. that is what keeps me going, especially because I see it in other students and it just like fills my heart with so much joy. And yeah, that that's what keeps me, keeps me going. Just seeing that. students yeah. grow and feel more confident in their abilities yeah (laughs) that's really dope because I think that sometimes that's something that can be really exciting like when you when when you can do it for your family I mean (laughs) it's like when you get to start it and you have to be like the first one you said you know even if it feels weird even if it feels awkward but then like now your sister has you to like yeah to be like hey apply for these things you know what I mean in ways that maybe you didn't have and you just kind of had to figure it out for yourself yeah and there, there's, like, this other student as well. Like, she was also in the program, and, like, um, I would be like, hey, I'm in the RCO program. I think you should apply to the RCO program and see if you get in. Even if, even if you don't get in, you can apply again. And she got into the RCO program, and I've seen so much, like, change from her first year to yeah. these first couple weeks of just being in the RCO program and just being in a leadership role like she's more confident she she brings other people in and it's just like this this um this chain that gets built like it starts with you and then you bring another person and then they bring another person and then that's how a community is built and that's yeah. how that's how people come back yeah okay well this was really dope thank you yeah. so much no uh, thank you Yvette, for being on so my name is Alexandra Ruiz i was born in mexico in a city called Guadalajara. I moved here when I was one. I am a documented student here at UVU, and um, I am a biology education major. The term undocumented refers to the citizenship status of folks who are born outside the United States who are living here without a valid visa or some other form of documentation. This could be because they entered the U.S. without going through the legal inspection process or because they did, but their documents expired. Undocumented people face significant barriers to accessing basic necessities like health care and legal employment. What's real important to understand here is that undocumented folks can come from anywhere and it's not limited to immigrants from Latin America. Now DACA, or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, is a policy that protects children who came to the States unlawfully before the age of 16. The program offers them protection from deportation and a social security number. 
That means they're eligible to work legally in the U.S. and apply for a driver's license, but they are not offered any sort of official legal status. DACA is not a pathway to citizenship and does not allow recipients to vote or give them access to federal programs like Pell Grants, food stamps, etc. The program is not currently accepting any new applicants, but renewals are still eligible for review. Still, that doesn't even mean that they're guaranteed approval. Plus, DACA status got to be renewed on a yearly basis for a $495 non-waivable fee. But a lot of people who apply also got to pay for a lawyer to look over their application, which means they got to pay those lawyer fees out of pocket too. There are a lot of specific requirements a person's got to meet in order to be eligible for DACA. Those requirements look at when they arrived, how long they've been here, how old they were when they arrived, where they graduated high school, and a bunch of other stuff. If a person does not meet those requirements, they have no choice but to operate without DACA, meaning they have no means to work legally in the U.S. and are faced with the constant threat of deportation. Why don't you tell us about like um, some of the organizations you're involved with on campus? Uh, or been involved with, too. Yeah, I got involved last year with the Undocu group here at UVU. Um there was a couple students already in it who had kind of started it up. And I just kind of joined in because one of um, a program director who used to work for the Center for Social Impact, I met him at an alternative break that mm-hmm. the center hosts. And I kind of just told him my story about being like undocumented and the difficulties kind of with that. And he was like, oh, there's like this group at UVU. And he told me about it, and I just went to one of their meetings and kind of just started attending and, like, becoming friends with the other people in their group. That's kind of what I started my first, literally, like, step into kind of this, like, world of, like... Organizing. Organizing. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot through the center, and I just kind of started participating more and more. Then I got hired on through the center to be a what is it, like a lead, the leader? Uh, like a break leader? Yeah, yeah, the Turner break leader that I was with you. And that's where me and you met. Right. And we kind of just helped plan. I planned, like, help with the logistics of the mm. trip. Yeah, we went to Santa Cruz. Then I applied to be a fellow at the center. So this year, yeah, <laughs> year 2022 to 23, I am the direct service fellow at the Center for Social Impact. Cool. Um, You mentioned that when you like you got involved with the group because you shared a story with Dino. But do you think that that is something that gets you involved often is sharing a story? Yes. So I I've kind of in high school, I never shared anything about like being undocumented. I just didn't feel I felt very like embarrassed Mm -hmm. by it. So I. Anytime anything like that would come up, I just, I never said anything. So lots of people in high school didn't know. Only a selective few, like, teachers or, like, very few friends knew that I was undocumented just because I didn't Mm -hmm. feel comfortable saying that. And it wasn't until I came to college and I kind of started getting more educated Mm -hmm. in kind of that world where I became more comfortable and I learned that I shouldn't be embarrassed because of this. Um, So that's where I kind of learn to kind of accept it and embrace it in a way. So through that, I started being more public with it. Not like, you know, shouting it out to everybody I meet, but like to people who in conversations, I because it's an important part of me and it's a part of me that um, affects every way 
of my life. It affects me in how I make relationships. Right. It affects me in health. It affects me in education. It affects me in every way. So I knew I had, it's a part of me that I can't like hide. That's how I, it would, it just kind of got brought up and mm-hmm. like very naturally. And I feel like that's how it always happens, just kind of like naturally. Or they'll be like, oh, you should go to this country. Or why haven't you gone like back to like Mexico to visit? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, I can't. Right. That's how it kind of brought up. And he, you know, he listened to the story. Yeah. Um, and then he reached out and like let me know. And I, I was interested in the group. I really was looking for like community. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I think... Um when you were describing like how how what it was like for you in high school, you just you used the word embarrassed, and like I, that really like called out to me like why I feel like people that I've met and and that I knew in high school that were undocumented would talk about being paranoid and feeling unsafe, but you said you were embarrassed. Can you talk like more about that and like why you describe it in that way specifically? Embarrassed in a way where all these like I had friends like always going on trips, always always doing like stuff that I you know. Mm anybody in high school would like love to do but I couldn't do because of that so I felt in a way like I was less than them Mm -hmm. because of that and then it's also like the whole where you do feel unsafe right because and I was in high school and like the whole um Donald Trump got Trump got into um got off into office um so there was already a lot of people who were going you know very very vocal about these political issues and political issues that involved me yeah for i didn't feel safe and i just didn't want to like face comments that i didn't know how to answer to of course so that's why i just like felt embarrassed about it um and and yeah just embarrassed i remember like feeling embarrassed just having to tell people like oh i can't you know kind of ways yeah and i have definitely worked through that yeah that's what i was gonna ask actually is like you 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 mentioned that you became more educated as you got into like higher ed spaces right do you think what what did that look like and and do you think that if you face those comments you were talking about you would know how to answer them now like I think like the number one reason I became more educated with it was when applying to college it's not made for people like me so I had to learn a lot of stuff and also stuff like about like laws just to be like oh is this gonna affect me do I qualify for this Mm -hmm. so I had to learn those stuff in order to apply to college and then the whole process I had to make sure I was doing it the correct way which is right. the way that I was doing it legally and the way that I was doing it correctly which I was getting like the most out of it in a right. way and being safe yeah and being safe so they're like the form HB 144 which right. I didn't know was a thing until like I had to you know research and look for people um, to help me with that and I didn't know it was a thing so if in my mind I was gonna pay full tuition like right. tu- uh, not full tuition uh, tuition that is for international like mm-hmm. um, out of state tuition that's what it's right. called that's what I was expecting to pay and then through the dream center at the U because that was like my priority the school that I wanted to mm-hmm. go to they helped me apply to all of the colleges that I did including UVU wow. um, and they were the ones who told me about the form that I had no idea about so through applying through college that's how I learned more about it and then I can't tell you like the one article or like the one like thing that I heard or read that kind of like made me ch- have that change in myself mm-hmm. um but it just yeah it just gradually happened where I accepted that part of me and I like stopped being embarrassed like I'll still cry about it <laughs> but I'm not yeah. like embarrassed about it anymore yeah. can you talk a little bit more about like 
what keeps you going and, and why you keep organizing in the ways that you do and what keeps you involved? I've always kind of been involved with stuff like in high school. I had leadership positions in clubs um, and stuff like that, partly because I wanted to. And the other part, like that's the only way I would as my mom always told me I had to work twice as hard as everybody. Hmm. Um, so. I always had to work twice as hard as everybody. So um, while that's why I had those leadership positions. Um, but I always, the community was always so like important to me, especially my community and also my like other minority communities because I knew how I felt to be a minority. So I always tried to in, like make sure everybody was like included in this. It was kind of grew from that. And then it got bigger as I got into college, I really did want to get involved and also find community because growing up, I I didn't have friends like me, like um, PLC friends. I didn't really have any PLC friends. And that was something that I already really wanted, mm-hmm. um, especially growing up in a school where it was mostly I like there was really no PLC students and trying always to like assimilate. And like I kind of drowned out that part of me. And I didn't know it was deep down. I really wanted to express that like I was Mexican but in trying to assimilate I kind of drowned it out so in high in college a really big thing was I wanted to experience like have POC friends and have be able to talk about cultural stuff that my other friends my white friends wouldn't understand um and then the pandemic hit and then everything went (laughs) online um so I just kind of stayed home and I didn't really I didn't really like have uh really like friends like that mm-hmm. so um when coming back and during like that pandemic I when feeling so alone I kind of figured out that I wanted this community and I felt like very passionate about it so when I came back and then got um involved with the center that's kind of where it, the center it, for social impact yeah the yeah. center for social impact that's where it kind of really like I guess like sprouted that out of me mm-hmm. and it has always been a kind of um letting people know and kind of not being the face but being a representative that we belong here yeah and um I have I made friends in like these couple of months and um we always talk about like imposter syndrome that we aren't like good enough yeah good enough to be yeah. here and this school year i had a friend and i had a friend and she was she's a freshman i met her like at work and we just like bonded because we were like you know we're both latinas so we were like bonding over that mm-hmm. and you know just talking about stuff and i i remember being a freshman and how it was so hard just because I had to you know it's already hard being in school in like a new place but then having to juggle so many things and then feeling like looking at your peers and be like oh it just it looks like they're doing it so easy like how do they how are they do they look like so put together and Mm -hmm. I'm like feeling like so behind because I have to juggle you know first it was like figuring out school because you know as first gen like my parents didn't even finish high school so 
having to figure out how to like go to how to apply to school how to even deal with classes and like the um how to like even be a student yeah. was hard and then working because I was undocumented so I, I couldn't get like financial aid um I couldn't get any of that so I had to like you know work at the same time so it was like very hard and feeling like do I even is this even for me yeah um so that friend that I made um I I knew like she was kind of on the fence of going to school mm-hmm. and I knew it was because of the same reasons I was um when I first started and um I like I'm like really happy like she decided to take the leap and like go for it and then um I sent her a message the first day of school as well as um another friend uh, Melanie I also sent her a message mm-hmm. just you know reminding them that um reminding them that they belong and they deserve to be here because I wish someone would have told me that and through getting involved I found community and I found that support And that is helped me so much that I just want to make sure that future students feel the same way and that this is, they deserve this and that it's not easy, especially for us because it, um, higher education here isn't made for us. Yeah. So it's going to be hard, but just know, I just want them to know that they're supported and there's and I want to make sure I finish too, so they know that people like us are doing stuff, um, doing stuff like that, like Tino getting his PhD. Like even though he was like very humble about it, I was so happy to see, um, someone like us. It's very um, inspiring and really does keep you going. So even though um, they're, like, so humble about it and mm-hmm. they don't want to, like, say stuff, you know, don't want to be put on a pedestal, they serve as a representation that we mm-hmm. can do it and we do belong here. And that has been, like, my main goal since all of this was making sure that I represent us and mm-hmm. I can help other students like me know that we do belong and we can do it. That means a lot to me. And I think I think that we're all kind of here hoping like that we can we can do something for others that wasn't done for us. Right. And, and Yvette's talked about it a little bit with her sister. Um, and, and I think that. That even Tino like and other like leaders of, of color that have kind of brought us together and brought us into these spaces there, they keep saying, you know, we're doing for for you what no one did for us. And um, I think it's really special to be able to be a part of having experiences that they didn't get to have, but then also creating experiences for others that we don't get to have. I am Oscar Tariquez Hernandez. Um, I was born here in the U.S., Utah, Provo. My Both of my parents are from Mexico, from Jalisco. Um, so I'd be considered Chicano because I was born here uh, with Mexican descent. And Is that how you identified? Do you call yourself yeah, Chicano? Yeah, Chicano. That's dope. Yeah. So I'll go by as Chicano. It really depends on who I'm around. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm around like educators, like white educators, I'll say yeah, I'm just Mexican or mm-hmm. Latino because they don't like that Chicano phrase because it comes off as radical sometimes. Oh, you think so? Okay. Yeah. 
That's dope. Mm-hmm. I use he, him pronouns as okay, well. Okay, nice, nice, yeah. nice. Why don't you tell me about, like, you know, I've talked a little bit about, like, how you first started mm-hmm. getting involved with organizing on campus. Um, and I know that it had something to do with the Center for Social Impact. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about yeah. that, how you got started and kind of, like, your journey. Not a lot of my friends went to college. Mm. Um, I want to say, like, maybe 10 of them. And that's, like, from, like, all all my friends that I have known. Like, no. close friends, I think only, like, two people, like, really went to college. So it's kind of hard to get involved in school. Yeah. I always try to find a way, but I just really didn't have too much time. And then I kind of hit, like, rock bottom mentally. Yeah. I was like, no, I need to be doing, I need to do something so I can, like, get out of this, like, get out of this cycle. You work with, uh, with, with students. What is it, at a middle school? Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about, like, the job you do there and like maybe how that might be related to what Dino did for you yeah so I am currently working for Alpine I'm stationed at Orem Junior High uh, as uh, my title is community outreach coordinator um, last year I did direct service which is working directly with at-risk students um, I kind of don't like that term mm-hmm. at-risk is kind of like ooh, like. Um, I was just gonna say I was like who do they mean yeah when they use yeah, that I they mean like people that are either at risk with like gang violence mm. either gang violence behavior um mental health yeah attendance grades and just anything that kind of like is getting them off the right uh, off the right path my boss likes to use the term at promise which mm. i really like a lot more like yeah. like like i promise that we're gonna like get these kids on the right path yeah it's a lot it's a lot less like I don't know. At risk. It's more optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. At risk sounds like, oh, I'm an at risk student. Mm -hmm. Like we never use that with the students. But if 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 any of them did hear that, they'd be like, like I'm not like I feel like it would kind of put them down. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I work with middle schoolers. That being here in Alpine School District Mm -hmm. is different from everywhere else. So it's seventh to ninth grade, Mm -hmm. and I work with all kind of people, like people that were born here that are gang affiliated. Mm-hmm. Like in the local gangs here, I worked with Tino mm-hmm. directly. We brought him here to UVU. I brought all oh, the uh, students, yeah, yeah, some students I was working with. Um, they're the at promise students that I was working with. They would just like hang out after school. And I was like, we need to do something with these kids, so we would bring them here because I was like, what do you guys want to do? Like, you guys are here after school. Like, you guys are, like obviously want to do something. Mm-hmm. You guys are bored. Like, we want to play basketball. We want to learn how to cut hair. <laughs> like, it was really cool. So uh, then Tino, like, magically reached out to me. He was like, hey, like, we got some some extra funds that we are wanting to help out in the community. And I thought of you. And, like, and maybe we can, like, help a group out that you're working with. And I was like, sick. This is exactly what I needed. Yeah. So we had that group come here to UVU. Mm-hmm. And we gave them a tour of campus. Mm-hmm. And I had them meet some Latinx students here. Yeah. So they could see like, oh, like there's people like me here because mm-hmm. it, it was major, it was it was all Latinos. Now thinking about it, like the group that I worked with. Nice. So I brought them here, and I wanted it specifically to be Latino people that came here and just introduced themselves, what their major was, and if they didn't have a major, to emphasize on that, like I don't know what to study, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Like you don't have to come to college knowing what to study, and you don't even have to go to college. You can go to like a trade school. Mm-hmm. Like I would I would have been at, at a trade school if I didn't have to get my master's in social work (laughs) (laughs) but like it it was really cool and it really opened up a lot of their eyes like one of the students like he was going down the the wrong path like pretty bad 
And he came to, to the school and he was like, I see myself like before. He was like, I'm not going to go to college. Like I talked to him. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think you're going to do after like high school? So like, I don't know, not college. Like, I'm probably going to like, he said, I'm going to go do like beaner stuff. I was like, <laughs> what is beaner stuff? And so then after that, that student specifically, he turned his, his life around. He's like, now, like, I really want to go to school now. Like going to UVU, like I really do see myself going there. Yeah. And I was like, damn. Like, like it's dope to be able to hear stuff like that. And that's kind of what I wanted to do, like, like once I graduated high school, like, help adolescent kids yeah. that are at risk, at, at promise, promise, that yeah. just that are not in the right situation, that are in the wrong crowd, mm-hmm. and just get them onto the right path, because I was kind of like that. I was legit one of those kids growing up, like, mm-hmm. in, the same high, in the same school, just always just around the wrong people. Then I got introduced to other people, and... It changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you touched on this a little bit in in some of the stuff you just said, but I wanted to ask you, like, what what is the thing that keeps you going? What keeps you organizing? I guess just seeing people like happy. Yeah. Like happiness brings me so much joy. Like I've told a lot of people, like I'd rather get paid. Can I swear in this? Yeah, you can swear. (laughs) I'd rather get paid like ass money (laughs) and be miserable. No, getting paid ass money and be like super like be well off and like getting like paid thousands, thousands, thousands a month. Yeah. Like a week and being miserable at like at a normal job. Like uh, yeah. I've, I've never liked that. And I've always been like pretty like collectivist, like like based in the community. Yeah. Like I've always wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. And I've never really found joy in money. I've always found joy in like helping people. Yeah. Like I remember like with Latinos in Action, I would help a lot of families and I'd make them feel like they had someone to trust in the school because yeah. I feel like a lot of the time it's kind of like, oh, like scary, mm-hmm. scary, like admin. So I'd always like talk to them like like if I had known them for like forever, like, oh, like, like where are you from? Like all this, mm-hmm. like how's your student? Like how, is there anything that you want me to know before like we go talk to his, to their kids and stuff? Like anything that you want me to... You would like, say it's like to the parents? Yeah. Oh, okay. Kind of like, just so you can feel safe with me. Like, yeah, hey, that's really like sweet. I'm here. Like, I, I'm i here to help you. And anything that we talk about, I cannot disclose. Yeah. Like, legally. So they can feel safe to talk about. And I remember one day, uh, a parent was like, she gave me a huge hug and started crying. Like, thank you so much for helping. Mm-hmm. Like, like having, like, I, I've had people translate for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same. Like, having someone at Torraza yeah have translate to you like culturally yeah is is what makes a difference and like she gave me a hug and like i i helped out his kid in high school like get his stuff together and it was just so life-changing like just feeling people that are in need mm-hmm. and not not and that sounds kind of like like saviorist but like I guess because having people... No, but it's from us to us. You know yeah, what I mean? it's, exactly. That's that's what it needs to be. It doesn't have to be like these people like, oh, I speak Spanish. I know everything about you now. I know yeah, everything yeah, about yeah. your culture now. Mm-hmm. Like it's people that legit have to come from your culture that should be helping you. Yeah. Like not everyone has that privilege. But I feel like that's where it makes the biggest impact. And like just seeing people happy, and like seeing change, I feel like is what really gets like keeps me going. Okay, last question, Oscar, before we finish up here. Uh, do you have any, like, advice for other um, organizers on campus or even, like, advice for your students? I kind of picked up organizing as, like, not even, like, 
intentionally like oh i'm gonna go out and organize yeah it's kind of just like came out like from my heart yeah i feel like if you approach things at like con tu corazón like yeah. it'll come out like exactly how you want and it'll be impacting people like yeah like not in like a super individualistic way like if i always see things as like collectivism and individualistic yeah and um i guess just do things from your heart like really like don't don't do things for because someone else is like oh you need to be doing this you need to be doing this like mm-hmm. i i stemmed away from like what my family norms are my family norms are like welding like a lot of like hands-on stuff yeah and i i enjoyed that but it really didn't fulfill my heart so i feel like mm-hmm. just go whatever like you really want to don't let people like that sounds super cliche no 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 but like it's like it's hard to really stem away from like what your what your family traditions are especially when you come from this background of like the family is you you are the family yeah (laughs) so you you do what your parents want you do what your family does and that's you know so like it's okay to kind of like go off of that tradition like it's hard you might get a lot of like backlash backlash from it but at the end, it'll be worth it. And I feel like at the end, the people that are telling you not to do it will be proud of you at the end. Yeah, huh? that's really dope. Thank you so much for coming on, Oscar. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you on. So it's really dope to hear you talk about like all this really dope stuff you've done. Of course, yeah. Thank you for having me on too. My name is Melanie. I use she, her pronouns. I am originally from Peru. So I came when I was five <laughs> to this country. So I've grown up here for a while. Uh, first generation student up till last this summer I was um, I was in on DACA so I just was able to make the transition to get um, residency congratulations thanks (laughs) and that's what a lot of people say congratulations and I feel like that word sometimes stings okay in a sense because my identity since I was 14 was being documented yeah and I kind of lost that part of myself Mm. <laughs> I need no, to go to therapy right. for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't really talked to anyone about it. Mm. Sorry. No, that's all right. No, no, it's very hard. That identity that I had, my community. It's a it's a hard transition. Mm. I don't want to leave that part of behind. Yeah. You know, but I do see the benefits. I'm moving forward with this. Yeah. Being able to finally see my family back in my country, right. et cetera. But I don't know if I'm exactly happy with it. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I don't know, you talk about losing the community. Can you, what do you mean by that? You mean like losing like the status Kind of, yeah. Well, I don't think I necessarily lost the community. Right. I just, I don't know if I really belong anymore. Uh, no okay. one's ever made me feel like I don't. Yeah. It's just coming from me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can relate anymore with the with the struggles as much. Mm. Okay. I feel, I don't know if unworthy of this privilege is the right word, but I just, I wish I can give this to everyone else. Yeah, of course. It's such a tough process. And I was very, very lucky. But not everyone else. So it's just hard not being able to share it with others. Right. Why don't you talk a little bit more about your experience being in spaces maybe before the transition and then after? Well, not a lot of people know. Mm -hmm. 
That you've gained your residency, you mean? That I've gained it. I, oh, okay. I did make a, a post on my Instagram kind of talking about the process, how hard it is, and moving with the process. But I haven't really told a lot of people that. Hmm. Um, and the people that have told have told me congratulations hmm. and they've been supportive. But no one's, I don't know if anyone's able to relate to me in that sense of losing something yeah everyone just feels like i've gained something oh, okay. so the loss is just i don't know who to relate to with that yeah mm-hmm. or the empowerment that i had before I, I felt like i lost it a little bit oh, okay kind of standing up advocating mm-hmm. which i still love to do i just i don't know how to say it. i just i feel like i'm putting myself in a different box oh, okay like i'm not allowed to advocate mm-hmm. which i know that's not I know it's not mm-hmm. um, the reason, but yet I'm I'm thinking like this. Yeah, that's that's so interesting because you you know in the hallway before we started recording we were talking about imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. and um, and I feel like that's something I've talked about with a couple of other people right. <laughs> already that, that, I've, that I've interviewed for the podcast, and it feels like people just don't really feel like they deserve to be on here, and I think it's it's interesting that you're talking about it in a different way of like now because. You know, like you feel like you don't deserve to advocate in the way that you have before. Right. Um, but but I think that that's, you know, when you're coming from a community that is not given a platform very often, then any person that can speak, especially a person that has lived experience the way you do, um, it's just valuable. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, why don't you talk more then about uh, your your experience then finding that community? Mm-hmm. But like here on campus. Right. So throughout my time at UVU, I found people here and there mm-hmm. that are from the undocumented or documented or dreamers community. Um, but up until, I believe, last school year, me and a couple of friends and a couple of mentors on campus were able to solidify like a student led, I don't know what the word, advocacy, I guess, of just creating more of a community for other people on campus and finding people that belong to that community is is very hard right there's safety reasons there's concerns mm -hmm, with speaking out about that so myself and this um, group of students which I love um, were able to host some events and um, bring awareness to resources and things like that that's really beautiful I love that and I I think it's it's really cool that you keep talking about like how these are still people that you that you connect with and that you oh, love. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think I don't know, to me that's like you know you know you talked about losing community and maybe feeling like you're you're a little bit cut off, but it's it's really cool to see the way that you can still love these people and and you know even mm-hmm. if it's you're relating to them in a bit of a different way, right. you're still relating and you still have access to um to that shared history. Mm-hmm. Right. That you have with them. Oh, definitely. What I want to know a little bit more about is, uh, um, do you feel like your your efforts to organize have been supported by the institution, or like they've been like maybe you've you've been tripped up somewhere? I feel like I've been supported to an extent. Okay. Um, there have been barriers again with policies, procedures, a lot of things that are out of our control. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been hard being able to find solutions to that. Um, right. I've tried to change that mindset into having more of a growth mindset in that trying to find different solutions to solve problems Mm -hmm. um and i think that's been really helpful because um there's a lot of people that will take no for an answer and i'm not one of those people Hmm. so i think that's helped yeah (laughs) 
That's cool. Um, I think how you're talking about like, you know, changing your mindset and how that helps you approach problems in a different way. What, what led you to that? Or like, how did you start changing your mindset in order to be able to, to advocate, I guess, in a more effective way? Right. Mm. This, it hasn't always been my mindset. Mm. Growing up, I was a very shy, timid kid. Mm. Even getting an A minus, it destroyed my world. <laughs> which is very hard but I think ending high school I've realized that the fact is when you have a position in power people will listen to you more yeah and that's what I wanted to keep doing I wanted to keep standing up for others I wanted to have my voice heard and I wanted to bring up issues that a lot of people might just shove under the table and say we'll handle it in 10 20 years right so it was hard because it was out of my character for a while. And I feel like it's part of me. And it's helped me in my personal relationships. It's helped me within the Undocumented Student Task Force. It's helped me in different places. Um, and it's helped me understand that there's different ways of doing things. And they could be improved. Mm. I really like that. I think that it's interesting the way that like, we have to... We, as in, you know, folks who organize, I guess, or, or, or people who are interested in, in, in causes that kind of need to be pushed pushed right. ahead, right, for social change, I think that that's, it's mm-hmm. interesting how you describe, like, you kind of have to develop these traits, especially mm-hmm. when you're advocating for an issue that affects you personally, right? then you kind of just have to develop these traits in order to survive, in order to, to uh, make space for yourself, Um Alex was mentioning to me that you're in grad school. That's really dope. That's really, really cool. Congratulations. That's Thank that's you. easy congratulations. That's <laughs> <Thank> like, you. <laughs> and you deserve it too. That's really cool. Um, you mentioned that like when you get into places of power, you know, people listen to you. Um, do you think that that concept motivated you at all to go into grad school and kind of seek out higher education in general? Yes and no. Okay. Um, I feel in some sense, there's been people in power that have become my mentors and have mm. helped me and pushed me. But then there have been people that I've started relationships with that have shared their story that are not in the spotlight yes. and have impacted me mm. in ways that they might have not known of. Mm. Um, I feel like you can take away whether power or not. And I just feel like everyone deserves a seat at the table, obviously. But right. I just feel like the majority of people do listen to people in power. And that's why we need everyone at that table to be able to share no i love that i think that's really cool because you know you talk about traditional modes of power Mm -hmm. and how sometimes they force people to change and go outside of their comfort zone or to be heard right and Mm -hmm. to survive um but how do you i guess how do you incorporate like non-traditional mechanisms of advocacy like in your work so that you're not recreating those forms of power where people are excluded for not being loud enough i guess sometimes i Love to encourage them too. Yeah. But I bring their story in to those settings. I love that. Sometimes I do want to ask them, hey, is this, is it okay if I share this, if you don't feel comfortable sharing it yourself? Mm-hmm. And when they do, I, I bring these stories in and letting them know these things are happening. Maybe you haven't heard it from someone else, but I want you to know that it is happening. Yeah. I love that because I think that there's just people. People want to participate, but sometimes there's not a yes. way for everybody to participate in the oh, same definitely. way, right? Yeah. And, uh, and 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 communities know what they need. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So when you exactly. when you listen to the community, then they'll they'll share their own stories, or or they'll allow you to share their stories in ways that kind of reflect right what what they're going through and what what kind of help they're looking for. 
I think my next question is a little bit related to what we were just talking about, which is okay. what keeps you interested in the work and what keeps you engaged in the work? Even when it's hard and even when it takes a lot from you emotionally, what keeps you organizing in the ways that you do? I know what it's like to not have your voice heard, to not see change, to be frustrated, to be angry, right. to feel undermined. And I've gotten to a place where a lot of it I don't feel as much anymore. And I want that for everyone else. I want them to at least start finding their voice, whether it be they're very outspoken or whether it be they're starting to form their own opinions. I want them to get there because it just feels so freeing to be able to share that, mm -hmm. to not hold back, to just speak. And that's, I think that's the reason why. Hmm. I love that a lot because I think that people, you know, it's just what we're saying is that people want to be asked about. Yeah. They want to be asked about their experience. Mm -hmm. um, and often I feel like the people that I speak to in, in social change circles, it's not even about like, this is the change that I achieved. But it's like, you know, this is these are the stories that I've heard. These are the stories mm -hmm. that I've shared. Exactly. And and it's about creating that community of 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 people that also are willing to listen. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's that's a really important aspect of organizing to me. Yeah. OK, well, thank you so much, Melanie. Thank I'm you. so happy to have you on the podcast. <laughs> Do you have any like final words for listeners? I love my people. That's all I can say. I love my people. I love my community. I'm thankful for them. Okay, I want to be real honest with y'all when I said that planning this first episode out made me feel ready for death, but I couldn't have done it without our adult team at the center. So thanks a lot to Kiona and Bale who pulled up with the research, Kate who helped me out with the script, our advisors at the center, Cass, Joe, and Kai for helping me come up with our interview questions, Brayden and Jaden who are our sound editors, Sophie, our sound engineer, and of course the Center for Social Impact for hosting and sponsoring this production. Thanks again to our interviewees, my friends, Yvette, Alex, Oscar, and Melanie for sharing their time and their stories with all of us. We hear about these really dope organizers all the time throughout history and like in the news. We all really reminded me that those people are also just walking around living life right here on campus. So thank you. And also thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If we said anything on here that was interesting to y'all, we got citations in the show notes. Plus we release episodes monthly. So pull up next month and give us a listen or drop by the center one time. We hold events every Thursday. So check us out on Instagram at UVU Social Impact to learn more and get involved. I'm Hannah and y'all were listening to Critical Mass Podcasts.